0: Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Flyers Daily for Friday, February 25th, and Flyers will be back in action, continuing their eight-game homestand tomorrow, game four. At the conclusion of the game, that'll be the midway point of the eight-game homestand. Simple math tells me that. And they'll take on the Washington Capitals tomorrow, coming up at 1230. We'll preview that game in tomorrow's episode. Also, don't forget, coming up, in uh, some uh, episodes on the way, we'll have director of player personnel, Alan McCauley, and we'll also have an exclusive conversation with the, the Flyers uh, director of analytics, Ian Anderson. I'm going to have the conversation with Ian on Saturday, It'll be coming up in an episode next week. And, um, you know, this is one of those rare instances where you usually don't get access to have these conversations and certainly not have them recorded and available to the general public. So I'm really looking forward to talking with uh, the Flyers Director of Analytics, Ian Anderson, and getting some more understanding because I'm not an expert on analytics and I'm trying to learn more about analytics and how they're used and how they're deployed and the value that they have. So uh, that'll be coming up in a subsequent episode. But in this episode, I'm also very happy to bring you this conversation because it's something that people have uh, DM'd me and tweeted me and said they wanted some more of, especially in a season that's sideways, was information on players in the system, prospects, draft picks, whatever you want to call them, uh, from not only North America, but around the world. And as luck would have it, our guest on this episode is actually in Europe as we tape the conversation with Bill Meltzer and myself, we had a chance to catch up with the Flyers Assistant General Manager, Brent Flair, on all things prospects and all things players in the Flyers system. And here is that conversation. Special uh, Flyers Daily episode, we got Bill Meltzer with us and Flyers Assistant GM, Brent Flair. Brent, how you doing over there in uh, Europe?
1: Uh, good. Yeah, I've been over here for a couple of days, so just getting over the jet lag and chasing down some players. So it's uh,
0: So far, so good a lot more normal now um as opposed to the last couple of years to be able to get over and get eyes on guys and and travel a little bit more freely i guess
1: yeah a lot easier um now finland opened up a couple of weeks ago which uh see helps uh, myself and the, the other scouts there's a lot of uh, north american scouts over here right now that's for sure wow i
0: i think it's so interesting you know do you like getting over like that's you know, seeing the different leagues and seeing the way they play is different and the bigger ice and everything, um, how much, you know, different is it, you know, kind of clue Flyer fans in just to how much different, you know, development model is over there versus what you see maybe, you know, in major junior or in the collegiate ranks?
1: Yeah, well, it's a, it's a challenge. You, you know, you go from watching high school hockey in Minnesota or Boston to young player playing in college to major junior to – a kid playing pro over here, um, you know, a highly skilled kid playing in the pro league, but only getting limited minutes versus a kid that's tearing it up playing junior over here. It's uh, those are the things that are challenging for us to put together and put our list together. And, um, but we've been at a long time, so we'll
0: figure it out. Um, Go ahead, Brett, Bill.
2: Yeah. My question for you, Brent, is how much in your estimation is the affected seasons, particularly from last year, but I mean this year to, to an extent as well, how much has it affected the development of of kids that are eligible for this year's draft and kids that were drafted a year, a year, or even two years ago?
1: Yeah, well, I think you can see it certainly in Ontario. Some of these places where hockey was shut down completely, um, you know, for an entire year. And some of these kids, even in younger ages were shut down for a year and a half. And, um, over here for the most part, they were able to play, um, which is good. But then, you know, obviously north of the border and in Canada, there's a number of kids that were pretty much missed all last year, with the exception of some camps or one tournament or whatnot, but it's, uh, yeah, missing a whole year of hockey at that age is, is the stumbling block. And that's why I've told our guys to be patient. You know, some of these guys may take a half year, may take a full year to, to find their game and get, get back to where they were.
0: So for, so for some guys, it does change the timetable on the incremental steps it takes to get to the NHL. For sure. In some
1: cases, kids weren't even able to work out. Uh, oh. Gyms were closed and things like that, so they can do
0: whatever they can at home, but it's not the same. The one guy I kind of want to start with is Elliot Denoye, because he hes really had a good, you know, season year. And you know, we're hearing about his play and seeing him, and he just looks like he's gaining more confidence by the minute.
1: Yeah, well, if you ever meet him, he doesn't lack confidence, but he—and <laughs> that's—and that's a compliment. Like he's a—he's a great kid a student of the game just loves to ask questions loves just loves to play the game he'd be at the rink all day if you let him Um, he was around rehabbing last year uh, for surgery and he's there every day and honestly he's probably one of the first ones there and he's the one that's the last to leave and uh, I think he was so excited from you know for a guy like that missed the draft he wasn't able to be at the draft missed his first camp and then was able to come in and um, you know, be a part of it and be around NHL guys. And he's rehabbing and skating with NHL guys. It was a, sometimes
2: we forget it's a big deal for a young kid. Elliot had the, of course, the injury setback, as you, as you mentioned, or, you know, he rehabbed over the off season. He's been, he's been fine this year. Uh, other guys in the system haven't been so lucky. A guy like Wade Allison, you know, came back and then, then he's been out again. Tanner, Tanner Lezinski just got back in the lineup, you know, a year ago, Morgan Frost essentially missed the season. How much would you say, you know, the injuries within the system have set a number of guys back over the last year
1: yeah it's it's been a dark cloud um you know we're trying to get to the bottom of it and a lot of them are just freak injuries especially in wade allison's case um yeah i don't know what he or anybody could have done to avoid them but it is what it is the good thing is hopefully he'll be back uh hopefully be cleared for this week to uh be cleared this weekend hopefully to play next week which would be be great, but uh, obviously there's a few steps there. But yeah, it's uh, you go down the list and wisdom and Forster, and it's uh, it's been a crazier from players from outside the NHL, uh, let alone in the NHL. It's been a, it's been crazy. So,
0: is part of that too, Brent? Because of the lack of playing, that you know, are you more susceptible to injury with you know with everything that's going on with the pandemic and the limitations? Does that make a player more susceptible in some ways? Uh. Possibly, I don't. I don't think so. These guys take care of themselves pretty yeah.
1: well, and uh, you know, a lot of these guys have have been injured, or are some of the fittest guys we have. So I, I, I don't think that's in in a lot of the cases around us. Uh, that's been the case, but I'm sure other kids, and you know, maybe in in junior hockey that missed all last year to come back, jump into intense hockey, and maybe get injured, and just not uh, at the right pace of play. Um, you know, I could see. Kids taking hits they wouldn't normally take and things like that, but uh, no,
2: I think ours are just random, unfortunately. One guy who has had opportunity to play pretty much uninterrupted, except for the you know for what happened with the World Juniors, that affects everybody. But Emil Andre over in over in Sweden, he, he's a league down, of course, from the, the SHL, but he's he's had an outstanding year in that league. How beneficial has that been to his development? Actually, being you know being in the league he's in where he's had an opportunity to play a lot and, and grow with confidence.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, the Swedish development system over here, they do a really good job with defensemen. Um, that was the plan kind of along being the big fish. And, and uh, you know, he's a young guy still on this team. He's a kid, but at the same time, he's got a big role, uh, plays big minutes and plays in all situations, which, you know, you see just getting steadily better and better. And uh, obviously he's producing points, but he's also a, big factor defensively and just a highly competitive kid. So I think it's been a great year for his development and uh, I would expect him to take a step up to the elite league next year and and continue his development. And then uh, we'll make a decision from there.
0: When you look at Cam York, you know, he's gotten some time with the Flyers this year. He's playing a little bit of right side too, um, but getting some, I don't know if the right word is sheltered minutes on that right side. Back with the Phantoms now, seeing a lot more ice time, Brent. What, what have you seen out of his development? Because I always say that, especially for defensemen, it takes more time and it, it's, you know, success to the NHL level is not a straight line it, for 99.9% of the players. What yeah. have you seen out of Cam and, and the development he showed since, you know, really coming, making his debut last season and then into this season?
1: Yeah, well, I think you know Cam coming into last year uh, was a great experience for him to get a taste of it, see where he needed to be. Uh, I think coming this year, uh, obviously started down, played huge minutes in all situations and uh, starting to go. Then he, when he was up, he played fine. Um, but uh, someone's, a number of people have asked me that question about him and we don't expect fine from Cam York. We want him to take big strides here. Um, we don't want him just to be playing safe in the NHL and just moving the puck, make you know, not make mistakes or being afraid to make mistakes. That's that's not a, his game. That's not how he drafted him. So, um, you know, he's defensively, he's been, uh, I think, he's been very good. Um, in his game offensively, is taken a step, and obviously, his, his one of his best assets is moving the puck out of the defensive zone, and he can continue, continues to do that well. But we just want him to be more engaged offensively and and take that next step and and playing big minutes, getting confident down there is. Uh, hopefully going to help that along. And, and
2: before long, he'll be back with the flyers. I'm sure. Morgan Frost is a guy who's been working on Mike. Yo has emphasized it over and over again. You know, everybody knows the the skill part of his game, he's put up numbers in junior hockey, put up numbers in the, the American league, averaging a point a game, but it's really been more about things like his pace of play competing for pucks and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And Mike has made the point that when there's more consistency with that, then the points will, will come back in. Do you, do you see that the same way?
1: For sure. And I think uh, it's misconstrued that Mike's talking about his defensive play. Actually, Crossy's defensive play has been, you know, everybody makes a mistake here or there, but his, he's been satisfied with that. Um, but the thing with Morgan is in order to play and generate offense at the NHL level, you have to move. Uh, he has a habit, and part of it's possibly rust from missing a year. But when he gets the puck, a lot of times he stops moving his feet. And in the NHL, you just get eliminated quickly. So I think you see him when he's moving, when he's engaged and moving his feet, playing fast and making plays. That's when he's generating offense. And that's just something that's uh, habitual that he's going to have to break and and he's going to have to you know, engage in battles. And and we're not talking about running over people. We're just talking about being strong on pucks and holding on to it and not just throwing mm-hmm. it away and um, showing the confidence to, to make plays and, and generate offense like we know we can do.
0: Yeah, Bill and I have actually talked about that before. At other levels, he could get away with that and just make plays. But at the NHL, you just don't have that time. I, you know, Bill and I were watching the game the other night, and Isaac Ratcliffe's playing with Claude Giroux and Cam Atkinson. And I commented to Bill at one point, but he just keeps moving to make himself an option. You know, in front of the net, there was a puck down low that Cam Atkinson had. And Isaac didn't just set up shop and use his frame. He kept moving to make himself an option. And those instincts, I'm sure that's something that you guys preached with him. And since he got to the NHL level, Brent, he looks like he belongs. He's making confident plays, attacking in the neutral zone, caused a good turnover in a game, then rung one off the bar. Uh, what have you seen out of Ratcliffe? Because he he's a guy that has that NHL frame, can handle the physicality of it, and confidence seems to be just flowing towards him right now.
1: Yeah, no, I and mean, Isaac, you know, if, if you look at him back in camp, even last year, he. He struggled with confidence he was trying to find his game and it was slow to come and this year he had, i thought in camp he he looked uneasy he looked in between all the time he wasn't moving he was wasn't handling the puck with confidence and and things just weren't working out so i think he went down and and you know he he wasn't producing right away which you know a lot of young kids just measure their game after just based on points which isn't what Lappy was trying to get him to understand it's just the process of being a player and the offense will come if you do the other things right and you know holding on to the puck and and then using your size and frame and moving your feet because he can skate, he can handle the puck, he can really shoot it. He scored goals before and and then now he uh you know he just steadily got better and better and he was competing better every night and and he earned his call up when
2: the, when the opportunity arose and he's made the most of it. One guy who Lappied said he saw turning a little bit of a corner. This was this was a few weeks ago. Was uh, Maxim Sushko and Sushko? Of course, did have a goal last night, but 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 more than that, just just in terms of his overall game. I know he had an injury last year. It was kind of a disappointing season for him. How how far do you think he's come uh, as the season has gone along? Yeah, no, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for him. But he's
1: another guy. Like he he's a guy that can come up on a fourth line. I think and and play and and do the little things well that coaches need. He's a big, strong guy. Um, he can win ball battles. He can, he knows how to manage a game. And, um, you know, I don't think coaches are afraid to put him on the ice, but he's another guy that uh, sometimes when he gets away from his game is based on, you know, thinking he needs to generate offense all the time or produce points, which, you know, we all want all of our players to do, but again, you have to do it, go about it the right way. And uh, when he's playing the right way, it's a heavy game. He's moving his feet. He's going in the net, he's winning battles. and. And then offense is generated off that. So, uh, you know, doing that and get rewarded like a goal last night, hopefully uh, just helps him with that path.
0: One of the guys that that really has kind of been on a roller coaster ride, Brent, has been Jay O'Brien. But he's really found some footing here at BU, and his game is really rounding into form. He's had a real good season. What have you seen out of Jay O'Brien?
1: Yeah, well, he was ducking me early in the year. Both times I tried to go see him, he was, he was injured. Um, but, he, you know, he's battled some injuries this year, and I, I still don't think he's 100%, but he's – you know he's he's battled and he's fought through it and he's he's starting to go offensively and obviously he's a big part of that team when they when they win hockey games so I think it's it's great for him and just his mindset to to feel good out there and, and get rewarded with points but it, again he's he's maturing physically
2: um, and then hopefully uh, he can continue on that path. A couple of guys uh, he see you know he has the option of a, of a senior year at BU and certainly seems to be headed in that direction. Uh, but some other guys, there are decisions to make, I think, on a, on a, a more immediate basis. Um, Ronnie Adder being being one just because of his age. Um, and some other guys who are seniors, Cates, uh, a guy like St. Ivany. Who, who, how do you view the collegiate pool and, and where are you at with, with some of those guys in terms of the readiness to be pros, uh, you know, either the end of this year or next year? Yeah, I
1: think Ronnie, well, first of all, Ronnie's, um,
2: you know, he's had a couple of real good years now in a
1: row. He's physically mentally he's a little older but he's physically mature uh he's a great kid i think the things that he needs to learn to become an nhl player is is probably gonna have to be done at the pro level um but he's you know he's he's a leader on that team he's he's a character guy he's got the big shot and he's scoring and they're having fun and they have a good program they're a good team so uh it's been it's been a good year for him uh at the same time i, I do think he's Uh, physically mentally ready to turn pro when the time comes and we'll have that conversation after season ends
0: one of the guys that's obviously having a real good year and been talked about quite a bit is bobby brink and you know we got a chance to see him in the world juniors and he seems to be just kind of he's a gamer right and a guy that well you know the stride may not be beautiful but he gets there and well he's putting up numbers that can bring a lot of confidence brent what have you seen out of brink because you know leading collegiate scoring right now and really having a pretty sensational season for him. Yeah, I know, Bobby, uh, he's a hockey player. That's, I know when we drafted him. I, um,
1: it's the ultimate you know, people, compliment, by the way. People people second guess uh, some because, because of his size or his skating stride or whatever. But all he's ever done is proven people wrong. I remember I've seen him. I lived in Minnesota when he was coming through the ranks as a ninth grader. And you're thinking, how is this guy ever going to play college hockey? And I remember even the year – guys were second guessing whether he could play in the ushl the next year and he went on just a few game tryout and he was i think he's over two and a half points a game and um he lit it up he stayed ended up staying there the whole year rather than go back to high school and he tore the league up and we ended up drafting him in the second round but um this kid's a he's a first of all he's a rank rat uh he's, he's a student of the game he loves um he loves being out in the ice and his dad helped along he spent a lot of time in, on the ice when he was a kid and working on skills and uh, passing shooting uh, but he is most importantly for him uh you know besides his hockey sense and skill level, is his competitiveness and he's a uh, he's relentless on the puck he's gets his nose in there he's around the blue paint you know he makes nice pretty plays but a lot of his a lot of his goals and uh, a lot of his plays come right around the blue paint and you know it's not easy you, you take it you pay a price at the college level too and he's willing to do that and, uh, but he can play in a lot of different scenarios and I like think every coach that's ever coached him loves him. So, uh, we're anxious to see him uh, when he's turning pro, and and uh, obviously we expect big things
0: from him in the future. That's for sure. Real quick follow up on that: uh, you, you started seeing him when he was in ninth grade because you're in the area. Could you ever envision that he'd be a prospect for an NHL team at that point? You know, I mean, you're thinking, how can he play collegiate? Now well, he was knocking just on the door. Here,
1: you know, when you're ninth grader, and he was obviously very small then, and yeah, uh, but he was always the best player. Like he was. He stood out. Uh, You're
0: always and, hearing about this kid, right? Yeah,
1: and you see him and uh, in some of those tournaments there, and you know he he jumped out at it. He Didn't you know you didn't have to go there and who's this guy? He, he made sure you knew who he was when he left the rank, even as a tenth <laughs> grader and eleventh. So, um, but yeah, no Chuck. Uh, obviously, he has a relationship with the the dad and Chuck's son and Bobby played together a little bit growing up. So we've we've, we've got some background on Bobby, and uh, but again, we've seen him a lot
2: before. uh, before coming to Philadelphia. So Noah Cates is another Minnesota kid. obviously um, mean, his brothers already already with the Phantoms and mm-hmm. seen some time with the Flyers. Uh, has a lot of experience already. Um he had four collegiate seasons, national championship, world juniors, uh, playing played in the Olympics this year. And, you know, obviously there there's it's coming down to a time where, you know, he, he'd be ready. He'd be ready for the pro game. And it's another Swiss Army knife kind of a player you can plug in a different spot. So so where are you at with Noah? Yeah, Noah's he went back. I thought he probably
1: was ready uh, last year. Uh, he thought he needed one more year um, getting stronger and quicker, and uh, which is fine. Um, you know, for him to be able to to know that. And he doesn't didn't think he was quite ready. Um that's his decision and, and obviously one that uh, he's in good hands there with Sandy and uh, the Duluth program and being able to play in the Olympics and something like that is an opportunity that he probably wasn't even expecting at the time, but it's obviously a great experience. And um, so, yeah, no, he's done everything. He's won. He's, uh, he's a very intelligent player. and He's a guy that I think will translate pretty quickly. Um, and we'll see what happens here at the end of the year. And, they're, they have a good team there. They can go on a pretty good run here. Uh, could be playing college games for a while, yeah.
0: Brent, you know, in a sideways season and the trade deadline coming, you guys may be shedding some players that you know, aren't expiring contracts. And, and that opens up, you know, the possibility for players to make NHL debuts. And you've seen, you know, your fair share of guys making their NHL debut, whether it was Zamula last year or, you know, Cam York, and then gotten some time this year as well. You know, that opportunity to play in the NHL as a young prospect, and you kind of alluded to it before, is really important because it tells players where they need where they need to get to. It really mm-hmm. sets a, a bar for them from a hockey standpoint. They anticipate, you know, a good amount of guys maybe, I don't know if a good amount of guys is the right way to put it, but uh, some guys making their NHL debut to gain that knowledge so they can head into this offseason knowing where, where they need to be and where they need to take their game to to have success at the ultimate level? We don't have many guys
1: left that haven't played Debbie.
0: Have
1: we? <laughs> We're running out of names there, but no, I, I, I think so. Um, it's a fine line. I do think, uh, you know, you'll see guys getting a taste, but at the same time we have we have some guys like Tanner Leschinski had a conversation before he played uh, the other night in Lehigh. Not to be, if you see guys going up and down, don't be looking over your shoulder waiting for the phone to ring. Like he's missed so much time. He needs reps. He needs to play big minutes and he's played great uh, so far in the games and um, you know i'm sure he'll get a taste maybe before the end of the year but a player like him and uh, he just needs to focus on getting his game and being ready for next year and whether that's playing all the games down in lehigh or or half and half or whatever that whatever that's made up of at the end of the year uh, we just got to make sure we do the right thing for him and 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 where his game's going to be for next year
2: Brent, I'm interested to get your assessment in, in in the 2022 draft. I mean, in any draft, there are those cutoff points, there's, there's the elite end, you know, how many top end guys are there, and then at a certain point, every draft is kind of similar. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just yeah, you know, just wondering where your perspective is in terms of how many top end guys there are, how many, you know, how deep you can go in, where you, you can expect to get a good player, and then you know where where does it kind of level off after that?
1: Yeah, it's 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 an interesting year. There's some players that you know are slam dunk top couple picks and uh, some guys have struggled a little bit and other players have really stepped up so i think the top i don't know top six or seven i think there's probably a bit of a cutoff, and then there's some depth through uh you know probably through 20. Uh, there's a drop off and then it, it probably not as deep of a draft as, as in past years after that but uh again there's there's lots of diamonds in the rough there's lots of uh guys it's just not quite as polished and and uh not many finished products i guess you can say is they're doing a lot of projecting and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but uh we'll do our due diligence and uh, you know make the best decisions we can
0: last one for me brent um you know you have a lot of uh, goalies in your system a lot of prospects from Ustamenko to urson um, you have Fedotov who just performed in the Olympics and performed extremely well. And there's this notion as a 25 year old, Oh, he just come over and you know he can be Clara Hart's backup next year. Hasn't played on the small rink. There's a big mm-hmm. adjustment there. And then you also got Kolosov uh, so, so talk about Fedotov and Kolosov and kind of what you've seen out of those two guys, because they're both, you know, different because one's younger, one's certainly older, but both uh, on a nice development path.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, Kolosov from last year, uh, you know, he's, He's been uh, he's been playing great, so it's for him uh, a goalie that young to be able to play and play regularly at that level is is rare. Um, and he's having success and uh, playing for his you know the national team level, and and uh, so he's just growing uh, exponentially, and you know, he's exciting. He's in a good spot. I think we'll leave him. Um, there, one they do a good job with goaltending over there, and we'll see see where that gets to, and we'll have a conversation with his agent. I'm sure every year to see what's best for his development. Um, in the case of Fedotov, it's we've spoken to his agent a number of times, Chuck and I both, uh, about his situation, and he's indicated that he is high interest in coming over next season and and giving it a try in North America. So he's obviously uh, you know he's had some success over there for a number of years now, but he's uh, and he's an older guy, but like you were insinuating there there's changes in the game there's differences smaller rinks a lot more traffic a lot of a lot of different things that the goalies have to adjust to and some guys can adjust quicker than others but again he's a he's a physically uh, more mature goaltender he's been in a lot of big games already in his career and, and he's played at a high level so hopefully that transition can be quicker
2: my final question for you Brent we, we've talked about Cam York Um, Of course, uh, Igor Zamula is also in Lehigh Valley Um, with Igor. I know there's, there's been a process in trying to get him to add some physical strength. And then there's the usual adjustments, you know, from the junior game to the, uh, to the professional game. So where do you think Igor's at a little past halfway in the uh, AHL season? Yeah. And like, again, you, you said it, uh, Igor's biggest challenge is is the strength
1: and um, you know, just the grind of the the pro hockey game when you're playing lots of games in small areas and, and strength and endurance is a big part of that. And being as light as he is, um, you know, it takes a lot of time. There's no guy that eats more, his uh, has the strength coaches on him more than Igor. And, um, but it's not a quick fix. It's not a overnight, it's not a three month fix for him. It's a, uh, it's a year to year thing and he's going to have to work on it. But at the same time his games, uh, has been good. He had a bit of a setback with, the. Uh, a couple of illnesses that were pretty severe. and He lost a bunch of weight, and uh, that was not ideal for a player like him, uh, with his frame. But uh, at the same time, he's built it back up, and uh, he's really good last weekend. and And uh, Lappy is happy with him last night. So, no, he's he's a big part of it down there. He's a big piece, and uh, you know, we got a, a number. We got a few guys that are playing a lot, and and uh, a lot of different scenarios. And uh, he's only going to benefit from it.
0: Boy, well, at least it's not busy. <laughs> There's a yeah. ton going yeah. on, right? I mean, yeah. it is. And, uh, and and all the preparation that's going to come in the coming months and has already begun for this year's NHL draft as well, the entry draft, which we'll see if it's uh, actually going to be in Montreal if they move that. But, Brent, uh, I know you're on the road. You're in Europe right now in Stockholm. Don't get Stockholm syndrome. No, no, we'll be good. So, <laughs> thanks, Sorry, for, guys, thanks very much. And and thank, thank you, Brandon. Special thanks to Brent Flair um, on Europe time. When we spoke with him, he was in a hotel room in Sweden, had just gotten there. It was, I think it was 10 o'clock our time, 4 o'clock Sweden time, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So awesome for him to uh, take the time while he's on that road trip and seeing a lot of the scouts eyes on, or not a lot of the scouts, but a lot of the players and prospects in the system and players that could potentially be flyer draft picks. Uh, So thanks to Brent Flair for joining us on this one. And thanks to Bill Meltzer as well. And thanks to you. Tomorrow, game preview of the Flyers and the Caps. Everybody have a great Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.